Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today on the podcast, episode 84, it's all about recitals. Now, if you have just finished your recital season or you are just about to head into recital season, I guarantee I have some great teacher tips, strategies, and ways that you can really rock your next recital right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hello, friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. I hope you are having a fantastic day. Day. Now, if you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it is May and it is spring and it is beautiful. The flowers are coming out. It's still chilly, still cold nights. I can't really head out into my garden yet, but I am waiting. I hope everything is just uh, going wonderfully in your teaching studio. Now, I know some of you may have already survived your spring recital. I know many of my colleagues have posted celebratory pictures of surviving your recital. And I am so jealous because mine is in a few weeks. And uh, whether you've completed or whether you are heading into uh, recitals are a really important part of our teaching studio business. And I have a love hate relationship with recitals. Uh, They are an enormous amount of work for teachers. And if you're not careful, uh, they can be a lot of unpaid time. Now, I think many of us are getting smarter with our lesson fees and our tuition fees, and we are incorporating our time a little more, um, a little more, I think, responsibly in, in far as getting paid for that extra time. Um, I know that uh, I know that they're important for my students. They're, we have to give our students an opportunity to perform, to set goals for performance. Uh, and for those of you working with kids, uh, the one thing that I find really challenging is for some of my students, this is their first performance. So we need to work very hard to make sure that they have a successful experience. When our students of any age have a bad experience, for whatever reason, um, there's a lot of damage control that has to happen. Uh, I know that in my many years of teaching, I have had students that have had unfortunate experiences at their recital and have then decided shortly thereafter to discontinue lessons. And that always breaks my heart. Um, As all of us know who have been performing and teaching for many years, that bad performances are just a part of it. I have had, I could write a very large book about interesting performances that I have had. (laughs) I'm sure you could too. Anyhow, um, so I, 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 I love, I know that recitals are important, but the amount of work and effort, and of course, I do want my students to be successful. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and I try to be as encouraging and friendly and fun as I can be. But, uh, you know, sometimes our students don't put in the effort. Sometimes our families are so busy. Um, But I, I have some strategies and I have some teacher tips that I have gleaned over the years. And I also uh, want to really um, celebrate some of the incredible things that voice teachers are doing 
in their teaching studios. I think that so many teachers are going above and beyond and creating these amazing events for their students. Now, before I get into that, um, I, uh, I want to talk about some of the things that the other things that we need to think about at our recital. So as, as I mentioned, recitals are an essential part of a successful teaching studio. We have to give our students the opportunity to perform and we have to give the parents an opportunity to see them perform as well. And um, this, this, uh, this public event, however you choose to handle it, whether you have a large recital, whether you do a more like a house concert or smaller mini recitals, however you choose to handle your recital. One of the things that is so important is that this is a fantastic opportunity for you to connect with the people that you do business with. It is important for you to to make sure you are the host or hostess with the most or mostest and talk to your families and say hi. And I also think it's very important for us to thank families for the opportunity to share our love of music with their children. We, um, we need to express our gratitude to the people that do business with us. And I think a recital is a wonderful place to do that. I like to also use my recital, especially when we just get started, to welcome new families. When I have a new family that is now part of my teaching studio community and building community within your teaching studio, so important. I like to take a moment just to say hi and welcome them. And um, I think that goes a long way uh, to making them part of your of your business and and making them feel appreciated. Everybody wants and needs to be to feel appreciated. Um, a recital is also a fantastic opportunity for you to advertise any openings or offerings that your studio may have. And I know some people feel really weird about this. Well, it should just be about the performances. You don't have to get too too big in your advertising, but it is certainly smart for you to to tell people, you know, if you have somebody that's interested, you could even put a little note in the program if you wanted, you know, now accepting new students. Um, I know that uh, one of my one of my colleagues will actually um, attach her business card to the program. That is not a bad idea. Um, sometimes families just need that business card to get in touch with you. Um, anyhow, what? Uh, what what you can do at the recital to celebrate, to communicate, to appreciate, oh, that was all a rhyme, um, your families and is so such a great opportunity and so important. So make sure uh, when you do get up at the beginning of your recital, and I think that you should, and welcome everybody to the show. Uh, making some announcements, make sure you uh, you do that because it does make a big difference. Now, um, for those of you uh, who are new to teaching or you've been struggling with recitals, maybe you've been struggling with attendance, that's always a challenge. Um, I have some strategies for that. So uh, when we are planning our teaching year, 
I like to, and I, this is something I've done for a few years, I like to plan my recitals in advance. So um, I like to actually give the dates, or at least the approximate dates, for when performances will be well in advance. So when I hand out my uh, uh, end of the year, here's next year's policies, the, the recital dates are actually listed a year in advance. Now, I know not everybody has the opportunity to do that, but if you are booking churches or renting a facility, uh, make sure that you check those those venues out well in advance because you might find that they are booked well in advance. That happened to um, that happened to me actually many years ago. We were using this um, uh, this small church. It was perfect size for recitals, and usually a month before my recital, I would go and I would talk to uh, the um, office ladies, and then all of a sudden the church got so popular for recitals and um, and events that when I went to book it. It was booked for six months straight. Every weekend was completely booked. So I missed out and I lost that spot for doing my recital. So uh, planning ahead, thinking ahead and making sure that the families know that these are the at least the approximate dates can go a long way. Now, I know what you're thinking. They don't remember the dates. Yes, I know <laughs> they don't. Um, so the other thing that I like to do, which I have fun with, and there's so many things that you can do um, to really uh, make uh, your families excited about the upcoming recital. So hyping your recital. It is so important to um, use your social media channel, uh, channels um, to your advantage. Um, and uh, and again, in hyping your recitals too, whether you use your Facebook page or your Instagram, um, this is also a way to advertise your teaching studio. In fact, I've had many people contact my studio because they see my social media posts about my recitals. So I love to do a fun um, graphic and I use Canva, canva canva.com. If you haven't checked out Canva, it is absolutely fantastic. So convenient. It saves you hours and hours of time and their templates are beautiful. All you have to do is drag and drop your own information. You can upload your own pictures. You can have so much fun and they catch people's eye. Um, I like to I like to have fun with my Canva things and make people laugh. Um, the other thing that I've seen recently, and I don't know, I think I might have to shout out to Shannon, is how teachers are using their Bitmojis. If you have a Bitmoji, you should use that to hype your your recital. I actually put pictures of my Bitmoji in the last reminder email that went out to my families, and I got a lot of chuckles on that. Um, so bitmojis. And then the other thing that I do is I do tag my students and my families so that they do see it. Uh, Facebook and social media feeds are 
crazy algorithms are weird. If you tag people, they will definitely see it and ask your families to share your posts because that will spread it even further. So hyping recitals and getting people excited about your recital goes a long way. Now, if you have not checked out our recent freebie Friday. So if you go to thefullvoice.com forward slash free resources, our most recent freebie is actually a recital sheet with little invitations. Now they're super cute. So they're more geared to your younger singers, but they are fun little, please come to my recital. And when I um, handed those out to my students, uh, they thought it was really fun. And they got to fill in the date and the time and all of that. So check out our Freebie Friday. It's a cute, there's three different themes. There's the birds, the cats, and the dogs. And a great way to get your students involved in promoting their studio. And I think this is a nice way, especially if you have a little student who might be anxious, it might be a nice way to get them excited uh, to, to play, the, play up the excitement and play, play down the anxiety about the recital. So I hope you'll take advantage of our free download. Now, the other thing that um, I, uh, I want to mention in something that I also learned the hard way, I have a chronic case of uh, DIY, do-it-yourself. I <laughs> I will take on incredibly long to-do lists and, um, and work so hard. But one of the things that I recognize, um, and it was actually one of my adult students who gave me the talk, <laughs> um, enlist help. Enlist help with the organization and um, the the running of the recital. So uh, I know that I am so busy, and my again again my first my first concern is always of my students. I want to make sure that everybody's okay, that nobody's really really stressed out. Um, but uh, I would not be able to put on the recitals that I do without the help. And I want to talk about uh, first of all shout out. To all the husbands, all the wives, all the partners, all the friends that are your back-end people that help you behind the scenes. I know that I could not do my recitals without my dear sweet husband. Not only does he take care of the sound, he is the music director of the band. Um, he often has to write additional charts for the show. Um, he often, at last last show, he actually had to do some programming because one of the songs that one of my kids wanted to sing was a little, was a little, uh, complicated and Sean fixed that with a nice track and I honestly wouldn't know what I would do without Sean and I have to shout out because my husband is a talented talented guitar player he plays guitar bass mandolin piano everything my husband has had to play pretty much every Taylor Swift song ever written more than once and in different keys and it gets so confusing for him sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because after a while, and this, his words, not mine, the Taylor songs start to sound the same. Anyhow, shout out to all the, the, fr the husbands, friends, partners that help us out 
Now, the other people that can really that can be very helpful um, are your teenage students. I have great teens. I have some really great kids in my studio. They are wonderful. And here in Ontario, uh, the high school students have to do 40 hours of volunteer work. And helping at a recital is one of uh, the acceptable ways that they can do their volunteer hours. So I have some of my teens that will come early. They'll help me set up. Um, They will help me with my younger students. In fact, my teens are so wonderful with my new singers. Uh, And I think it's actually... I think it's easier, too, for the little ones to look up to the teenagers rather than me uh, sometimes. Uh, So my teenagers, they help me set up. They hand out the programs. um, I do draws. I do this fun little thing at my um, recital. So all the performers get a draw ticket, and then I have prizes. And throughout the recital, we'll take a little break. And usually when um, the band has to, like, switch instruments or Sean has to tune his guitar, we'll do a little draw and uh, and I'll have like movie gift cards um, or little journals or whatever I find that I think is a nice little gift. So my my teens will help me with the draw tickets. Um, they'll help people to their seats. They'll help me with donations. They're just wonderful. And again, it helps to build the community. Uh, the other thing that I do when I mentioned in the podcast about hosting great recitals, I always, always, always have fun music playing when people arrive. A playlist that gets people bopping around, that has happy songs, the kids like, parents like, families like. This helps to uh, make everybody feel welcome, help everybody relax a little bit. One thing that I do not like is when you come to a recital and it's dead quiet and you're supposed to sit there quietly. If you have kids with anxiety, you might as well just ramp that up to 11. I also think that's more like a funeral than a recital. So playing music, playing a playlist at the beginning of a recital is so great. It it makes everybody relax and I highly recommend that. Um, The other volunteers that I've had, and I, again, I have some lovely families um, I've had some moms and that have come in and that have kind of said, oh, Nikki, I'll take care of this and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll straighten up. Uh, uh, they're just so lovely. I, and don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Or if somebody extends the offer to help, don't be afraid to say, yes, that would be wonderful. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone, Katrina here, and today we're talking about making your music studio more visible to potential students by listing yourself as a local business. Once upon a time, we used the phone book, the yellow pages, and the classified ads to find local businesses. They've gone digital, so you should add your studio to the yellow pages, your local chamber of commerce or board of trade listing, and any other local business directories in your area. These registries make your studio easier to find, make you more visible online, and potentially help your website rank higher in search results too. Internet marketing is an absolute necessity because not being found online means you might as well not exist at all. As part of making your studio a stronger online business, make sure that your business address is always present and always consistent. Keep details like unit number, street abbreviations, and phone number the same across different online registries. 
add your listing to Facebook, Yelp, Yahoo Small Business listings, and anything pertinent to music and music lessons in your area. Google My Business is a great start. You can verify your address, link your business to your physical location on Google Maps, start collecting online reviews, and link your studio website to your business listing. Don't have a studio website? Build one with My Music Staff in just a few minutes. Try a My Music Staff 30-day free trial today at www.mymusicstaff.com. For more tips and tricks, tune in next week to the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Now, I would like to uh, I would like to celebrate and shout out to some of my colleagues who are just so creative with their recital and performance opportunities. I've seen so many posts celebrating um, vocalists' uh, achievements, and there's just so many ways that we can have some fun with our students and our teaching studios and get our families excited about recitals. Now, um, themed recitals are kind of neat. Um, my, uh, I know Rebecca down in Florida, she has done Beatles themes uh, where the kids get to learn Beatles songs, which I think is fantastic. Uh, shout out to Eden, who did an 80s dance party, 80s party recital. How fun would that be? I seriously might steal that because I am definitely a, 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 a the 80s. I love the 80s. Always love the 80s. Um, and, uh, of course, many teachers are now moving their recitals into interesting places, um, coffee houses. So it's a little more casual. Now, does everybody hear Faith? She's saying hello. Yes, I'm talking about recitals, darling. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> she always has to say hi to you. Um, anyhow, there's so many different ways that we can do unique and fun things. It doesn't have to be in a church. It doesn't have to be in a hall. Now, that being said, I have some colleagues who are are renting beautiful theaters and putting on musical theater cabaret style shows, which again is so exciting. Uh, I know um, Teresa of Studio E, she does like a, a big photo booth and uh, there's sound and lights and it's like a real concert event for her students to perform. And it's it's so fun. And I love seeing the pictures. Um, and, you know, if you don't have a large studio or if that's not reasonable uh, for your budget or for your teaching studio, again, the other option is to go more intimate. Um, many of my friends and colleagues have done house concerts. Um, I know that one of my colleagues has a family that has a beautiful music room, huge music room, gorgeous piano, and they actually offered their home for the recitals. Now, it wasn't big enough to do everybody, but they had two small recitals, and it was lovely. House concerts can be absolutely wonderful. Now, again, with house concerts, make sure you check out the logistics of parking, but um, this is definitely an option. Um, now, the one thing I will say, 
Uh, this year, I have a couple of students who, because their schedules are so ridiculously crazy, but they have done such an amazing job and have come so far in their lessons, I did not want them to miss the opportunity to share their their um, progress. So we are doing in-studio recitals. So I have, I have a big big er big ish um studio that has that has enough uh, of an area where i could put like f- probably 5 8 seats so we're going to make sure that the family and grandma and grandpa and some friends can come to their res- their lesson which is like a mini recital in lesson mini recital those are options there's always options for you to celebrate and again if you have a student that has a lot of anxiety, that might be the stepping stone before they are ready to move into an actual on-stage performance. So I want to shout out to all the teachers doing incredible, fun, um, community-building events that that showcase their business, their students. Um, I think it's just incredible. And um, I love the, uh, the teachers that I follow on Instagram. Now, that being said, I would love to see what you are doing in your teaching studio. So you can follow me, and I will follow you back, on Instagram. And my um, my tag is uh, at the full voice. I would love to see all the fun you're doing in your studio. Uh, so many great ideas out there. And we can really help each other by sharing our inspiration. Now, one of the things that uh, some of the things I've learned the hard way over the last, I think it's 29. I don't really want to count to be perfectly honest with you. I think it's 29 years of teaching. Um, and is, is some of the things I've learned and some of the w- places that I have wasted money and time. <laughs> So for those of you who have survived your spring recital, this is a great time, and I think it's very important, always important to look at your numbers, but look at your costs and look at the time, your return on investment of your recital. How much money did you spend? How much money did you spend? Did you rent? Did you have to pay the accompanist? Did you charge uh, recital fees? Or did this all come out of your pocket? Because if you've listened to any of the podcasts about running your business, uh, any of the podcasts with Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, who is the, the business savvy lady that is helping so many teachers build incredible teaching studios and businesses that they love, you would know that recital fees or recital expenses should not be coming out of your pocket. So one of the things that I used to do and I used to spend a ton of money was on the recital gifts. And part of it was because I just like buying stuff like that and giving gifts. I love giving gifts. But one year I actually calculated how much money and it was just on like flowers and then... but. If you have a big studio, small token gifts can really add up. And the question is, do you have to purchase gifts for your students? Heck no, you do not. And, you know, the I, I also love like certificates and prizes. I used to do ribbons and I used to think that was really awesome. But then I would find them 
crumpled up in their music bags or a lot of the programs that I would spend hours designing, beautiful programs, they would just be left in the church pews or they would be left in their music bag to crumple and die. Um, so I really look, I look at the costs and the return on investment. So if I spend all this time printing up programs only to have them discarded, that is not a good ROI. <laughs> Um, but there are other things that we can do that still are uh, a great way to celebrate our students' efforts that actually might be more appreciated. So uh, I know that one of my colleagues does a fun pizza party after. Just brings in a couple of slabs of pizza and some drinks and the kids get to, you know, to hang out, have some pizza and everybody can talk. I think those are fun. You could also do a cookie reception, a cupcake reception. I've done that. There's some incredible cupcake uh, bakeries here just on Lock Street uh, where I live and they're beautiful like they're gorgeous like that could be fun again a cupcake um, is something that hopefully <laughs> they would eat and not chef in their music bag although I wouldn't be surprised if they did that at least my students but if the if you can do something like that where again it allows you the opportunity to celebrate the students, create community and and talk to the families and kind of be the host hostess with the most, that I believe is a far better return on investment uh, and might be um, more appreciated um, and certainly less wasteful, you would hope. <laughs> Now, going back to those um, recital programs. Now, there are some great templates out there. If you're not if you're not graphically inclined, or if you need to save some time, some of those templates are beautiful. But remember, printing is expensive; it's not cheap. And as much as I love to design a beautiful piece of paper, um, I again I've noticed that the recital programs just get tossed aside. Very few people really keep them as mementos. So what I've actually started doing is I just print the order of the recital on a piece of paper, nothing fancy, just the kids' names in, in, and the song that they're singing. And then I, I put three of those uh, on a, one piece of paper and I, I give the kids the slips so that they know where they are in the recital. But really what I'm more interested in is that they get up and introduce themselves. And that's a very important part of my recital and something that I rehearse with the kids. I believe that we need to not introduce our singers. We have to be able to speak to the audience just as much as we should be able to perform for them. So introductions are really important. So I've kind of, in my teaching studio... I've kind of left the fancy schmance recital programs behind and gone with something a little more, I like to call it eco-friendly. <laughs> the other thing, the other reason why I do this is because of last minute changes. How many times have you spent hours agonizing over the order of your recital, thinking about the student, the song, the mood, the message, the flow of your recital, only to have a family say, we can't come, or we need to move at the end, and da-da-da-da-da, and all your efforts are just trashed. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I do the eco-friendly. Here's a list of when people are performing, um, because I can do that the night before. I can do that the night before and I can print it up the next, the day of the recital. 
people still will get sick or somebody has to cancel. But I at least I just can tell the performers that, hey, this person isn't here and you're going next. So that's just one of my teaching strategies. That may not work for you. You may really be um, uh, about the fancy recital program. And um, it doesn't, it does not have to cost you an arm and a leg. Please do not. Make sure that does not come out of your pocket. It should be covered in your tuition fees, your lesson fees. So those are just some of the, uh, some of the strategies when it comes to um, recitals, uh, recital programs. We have a new feature on the Full Voice Podcast, which is warm-up of the week. Everybody uh, loves a new, fresh, fun, and uh, exciting warm-up. Warm-ups are an important part of our studio, and I love stealing them from my friends and colleagues. And now, the warm-up of the week. I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast friend and colleague, Phyllis Horridge. How are you, Phyllis? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're talking all about recitals. Now, first of all, I would like you to tell everybody what fun, community-inspiring event you're doing with your students, because I think it's just brilliant. <laughs> well, being that I am in Louisiana, instead of doing the typical spring recital, we are having a crawfish boil in my backyard where I'm going to be setting up a microphone and speakers and people can sign up to sing whenever they want throughout the afternoon. Oh, I think that's so fun. How? <laughs> and you have students of all ages, too. I sure do. I sure do. I've got... Um, um, 10 to 15 elementary kids, a handful of middle school students, a handful of high school students. And I'm so excited about all of my adults that I have because they're going to get to sing for the first time probably in public at this crawfish boil because I have about 10, 15 of them also. What an amazing opportunity. People can mingle, <laughs> have some wonderful food. Um, mm -hmm. off, off the podcast, you're going to send me the recipe for your, for your crawfish boil. Cause, <laughs> cause Louisiana food, um, come on. That's just so, so good. <laughs> I mean, I gained like 20 pounds when I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, uh, um, it's on the warm up of the week, you have this wonderful group activity. So I would love for you to share uh, your your it's a round that you do with your singers. It is a round. Okay, so yes, absolutely. So warm up the week from Phyllis in Louisiana. So give us give us this wonderful little exercise. Okay, I call it the Makia Bloop exercise. Makia um, Bloop. Okay. <laughs> yes, because it has three sections to it, which makes it a great. Uh, round, or actually you can do it as a partner song if you just want to give one part to each section. Gotcha. Um, in my studio, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, I take one part, they take the other part, or we just do it in round. Mm -hmm. But then if you have a group, you can do it with as many as you want. And I've started recitals with this. Oh, um, And I've asked the, I've had the audience join in <gasps> um, and I've taught it to them. And it's been a whole lot of fun because it's just a really fun exercise that I learned in my very first choir when I was in first grade. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and so I've passed it on. Ah, those are the best warm-ups, the warm-ups that we've done. Absolutely. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So, so I guess the best way to do this is um, I'm going to 
play and sing it so you okay. can hear the whole thing. Okay. And then um, we can break it up and talk a little bit about it if we have the time. Oh, I love it. Okay. Take, <laughs> take it away, Phyllis. Okay. Here's how it goes. Okay, that is brilliant. I know. I have no idea who wrote it, who created it. But the funny thing is, is when I learned it in first grade from my choir director in church, I then was in a choir later in like middle school and my middle school choir director taught it to us. And I was like, wait, what? So she knew it too. And so I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> well, I love the, I love the, you're using different vowel sounds. So just again, you're getting yeah. like the ah and then the E and then the bloop is just brilliant. It's, <laughs> I love it. I wish this was a video podcast <laughs> because then you could see the workout that Phyllis just did with her mouth. <laughs> Yes. And that's the fa my, the favorite section of everybody is the bloop because right. the key to the bloop is I tell my students to be like a blowfish and puff your cheeks while you're saying oh, it. Brilliant. Brilliant. And how much fun is this that it just kind of helps them to relax and giggle a little bit and just yes. let it go. And so they can do it just by themselves and they're happy. <laughs> and then if I want to challenge them, I'm like, how about you start? And I come in a little bit later and we turn this into a two part thing. And then if, of course, if you're in a group setting, you, you teach all three parts and then you can turn it into a round or whatever you want to do with it. So it's really cool. I like that. And this would be a simple introduction to part singing too, right? So Absolutely. A, a, yes. a student that's new to singing um, like harmony or singing just different parts. This is such a great intro. Oh, yes. And they can be so successful and then they found, feel so accomplished at the end. Oh, I love that. So good. Oh, Phyllis, you are delightful. <laughs> and I, uh, I have to tell everybody that I stalk Phyllis on Instagram because she has the best videos. You share such great inspiration and the fun that you have in your teaching studio with your students. I just, I love watching well, what you're doing. Thank you. Um, a lot of the inspiration comes from the full voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that it just circles around because I certainly, I certainly get inspired watching the teachers do their thing with their students. So, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Now that song is stuck in my head and I'm going to spend the entire day singing that. <laughs> Yes. I love it. That's oh. what I want. <laughs> oh my gosh, Phyllis, that was amazing. A very special thank you to Phyllis. That's a fun warm up. I'm stealing it. I'm going to make my audience sing it at my upcoming recital. For those of you, whether you have survived your recital, whether you are heading into recital season, I am wishing you all the success for you, your studio, and of course, your students. I hope you've gotten some takeaways from this podcast. I also would like to ask 
kindly, if you are enjoying the Full Voice podcast, please take just a moment. It only takes a few seconds to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That helps us to continue producing great podcasts for our private voice teachers. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching, successful recitals, and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca